Showboat Fisher. Uh, and this starts our Minnesota track. He was a Minnesotan, mostly minor league star. Uh, he likened his stance to Babe Ruth, further proving that Showboat Fisher was better than Babe Ruth. Uh, this was in 1930. Uh he played one year in the majors, and he had one unbelievable month in April in 1930. This was also in St. Louis, but across town for the Cardinals. Mm. Um, Kenny was with the Blues. So the Blues were on the east side, or the... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know St. Louis geography, Mark. One was near the Arch, cut. one wasn't. The Mississippi cut St. Louis in half, and East St. Louis has been the the St. Louis that... That's the part of St. Louis that kind of started the blues. Because it was primarily the black part of St. Louis. And then the other part of St. Louis, near the corporate area, was the Cardinals and the all-whiteville. A geography podcast with Mark Fusco. Anyway... One was on one side, one was on the other. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just cut out with Mark. So he hit 462 in April of 1930, making everyone forget for a brief moment about the Depression. He had 20... (laughs) (laughs) Was that another poem that someone wrote? Was that a quotation from a poem? It was a quotation from me. I assume everyone forgot because Showboat Fisher just stole the show. (laughs) Uh, He had 24 hits, 6 doubles, home run, 17 ribbies, 541 on base percentage, 635 slugging... 1176 OPS. Anyway. But what was his fielding percentage? It actually sucked, which is why. Oh, so he's terrible because I believe in sabermetrics, so he should. we shouldn't even be talking about him. I mean. Because I found five obscure stats that fair, I just made up. To be fair, apparently his defense was bad enough that even 1930s sabermetrics picked it up. Because, mm. like, even though he hit all, he did fairly well that year. I mean, he actually had a bunch of home runs. He led them to the World Series, but. Um, like he was out of baseball the next year. And that's kind of a common story around these things is like they valued stolen bases and singles and defense in those days more than being a good hitter. It was like, <laughs> oh, but are you crafty? <laughs> um, they still hadn't realized yet how, how to win baseball games. Bunts did he have? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's well, going back to that argument about George Sisler. The year before. Like, yeah, he hit 420, but if you look at the rest of his numbers, they're not actually that much better. Like, he had half a war on um, Jim Palmer. (laughs) That's not possible. Ken Williams. He had, like, half a war uh, win above replacement on Ken Williams. How'd you forget the name of your forgotten hero and now he's Jim Palmer? I don't know. Jim Palmer was a great pitcher for the Orioles. A pitcher, yeah! Going to Showboat Fisher. Back to Showboat Fisher. Uh, so his his OPS is still top 10 all time, which is, again, impressive. But that April, that magical April, accounted for a fifth of his career hits, <laughs> a fourth of his career RBIs, um, and a fourth of his career walks. So basically all he did was in that April. Wow. Uh, somehow he was part of two World Series teams because he played like two games as a pinch hitter for this Washington Senators in 24 and then was out of baseball and then had that 1930 season with the car with the Cardinals who lost. Huh? He was probably, maybe they brought him cause he was good at, you know, distracting and upsetting the opposition cause he's a showboat. Yeah. So you wiggled around and on top of the dugout. There's a couple interesting things about him. Uh, in a 1930 <laughs> interview, uh, 
So something that happened in his minor league career that might have set him back was he was hit in the head and his career almost ended. And he was hit by Lou Gehrig, further proving that he was better than Lou Gehrig. Um, (laughs) So he explained what happened because he was leading the minor leagues, I guess, in hitting. And he said, the well-meaning efforts of a friend to help me win the batting crown nearly ruined my baseball career. It's near the end of the season, and we were playing Hartford. Lou Gehrig, now with the Yankees, was pitching for Hartford, and my friend was catching. When I come to bat, the catcher asked me what kind of ball I would like to hit. I said a curve, and he signaled Gehrig accordingly. (laughs) I don't know why he's acquiring a southern accent halfway through his quote. (laughs) The curve came up all right, but instead of me hitting it, the ball hit me. Right in the temple. I fell like a log and was out of the game for the rest of the season. I haven't wanted to know what's coming up since. Which sounds like a story out of Bull Durham, but this one was real. Also, Lou Gehrig hit a guy in the head with a pitch. Yeah, I guess that's why he was not a pitcher Yeah, in his major league career. Well, it's also weird that he was asked what kind of ball he would like to hit, and he asked and he for a curveball. He said curve a curveball, and then the curveball hit him in the head, which is weird. I feel like Lou Gehrig wanted to hit him. Yeah, and was like hoping he'd say fastball, and was thrown for a curve, and that's where that expression comes from. <laughs> yep, I mean Lou Gehrig's disease comes from his disease. Everything comes from Lou Gehrig. Yeah, it's true. So when he came to the Giants, a team that he never actually played for or made, people loved him because his name was Showboat Fisher, and apparently because he was attractive. Which the Mets, I mean, if you look at Tim Tebow, he essentially is the same thing. He's like. This kind of like all American, I guess people think he's good looking, just guy who attracts fans, even though there's no earthly reason why he should. Um, and they said, New York fans who go for colorful ball players will take to Fisher from the start. He is one of the brightest characters on the diamond. He is the most graceful athlete in camp, affects a nifty batting stance that makes you want to get off in a corner and swing about yourself, and feels, Whoa. throws, and runs with the deafness of a sleek animal. I don't know which one. Fisher is what? Neat. That's what it says? Doesn't say I don't know which one. Fisher is neat, stylish, and classy out there on the field. He always wears oh. a suit and tie. Exactly. Perfectly symmetrical in stature and handsome in features with black hair combed pompadour in the middle. And he has dimples like Rogers Hornsby. The, the, <laughs> the editor notes... A great hitter then with the Chicago Cubs. Thanks. Anyone reading this obscure blog about good minor leaguers in the 30s is going to know who the fuck Rogers Hornsby is, editor. Nobody writes, No sports journalists don't write about players' dimples anymore. I know. Or how symmetrical in stature or their cranial shape. Because that's the first thing I want to know about a new prospect. Like, Debbie Garcia for the Yankees. Yeah, he had a good debut and numbers, numbers, numbers. But what are his dimples look like? Yes, and, and what is he animal does he most resemble? Yeah, resemble. That's the shit that we need I to mean, know. I mean, that's why Pete Alonso won Rookie of the Year. They, everyone knew he resembled a polar bear. Yep. And everyone knew what his shirtless form looked like. Because he often would take his shirt off in celebratory gestures. So, I mean, I think those two things are what did it. Then he also hit some home runs, but whatever. <laughs> 